the Rock of Ages. There were three main ceremonial feast days that Israel celebrated every year. The first was the Feast of Passover, commemorating Israel's miraculous escape from Egypt. Each family had to sacrifice a firstborn lamb of their flocks and sprinkle the blood of the lamb on the doorposts of their houses. And the angel of death passed over the houses of the Israelites, while the firstborn of the males of the families of the Egyptians was slain. The second feast was that of Pentecost, 50 days after Passover. And this feast celebrated the barley harvest. But the third feast of these three main ceremonial feasts was the Feast of Tabernacles, the final feast of the year. And it was that feast that celebrated the presence of God with his people. And it took the form of a festival of joy and unity and thanksgiving. There was a closing ceremony on the seventh day of the feast. And the main feature was when the priest invited people to draw of the water from a golden bowl. That ceremony commemorated the miracle of the living water that God provided for them when Moses struck the rock at Mount Horeb in the wilderness. I'm going to read that scripture from Exodus chapter 17. There was no water for the people to drink and they complained against Moses. And the Lord said to Moses, Take in your hand your rod with which you struck the river. I'll stand before you there on the rock between you and Mount Sinai and you will strike the rock and water will come out of it so that the people may have water. So he called the name of the place Massah, which is testing, and Meribah, which is discontent, because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord's presence among us or not? Now that was the real test and the real complaint. They'd thought that the presence of God was not amongst them because they were without water. Now, our human heart is tempted to believe that suffering loss or being deprived means that God has abandoned us. God was teaching Israel to learn to trust that his presence was always there with them. So he provided for them by miraculously providing water from the rock. And Paul writes about this in Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 10. He says, they all ate the same spiritual food and they all drank the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And then he says the most extraordinary thing. And that rock was Christ. In verse 11, all these things happened to them as examples for us, written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. And that rock was Christ, the rock of ages, then and now and the ages to come. God gave them supernatural living water from the rock for their physical thirst. And Jesus, as our rock, gives us the living water of his presence for our spiritual thirst. The water that flowed from the rock it's like the Holy Spirit from Jesus. Now, Jesus made a spectacular appearance at the Feast of Tabernacles in that final year. It was the final year of his ministry. 
The Feast of Passover was the next feast after Tabernacles, four or five months later. And his ministry had recently been more out in the open and the opposition and the antagonism towards him was growing. And Jesus was staying in Galilee with his family at the time and they were all preparing to go to the feast, Tabernacles. His brothers were becoming confused and impatient with him because this apparent lack of initiative they perceived in ramping up on miracles and healings in the surrounding area. They goaded him by demanding that he do something spectacular at the feast, telling him that it would be his chance to show the people who he really was. He had family problems too. <laughs> but Jesus told his brothers to go on ahead without him, seeming to imply that he wasn't even going to the feast. However, Jesus had planned to go to the feast for a very special reason. But he wanted to go there in secret and to avoid the crowds till he was ready. So he took the back roads to the temple at Jerusalem. On his way to the temple, he would have passed many hundreds of tents camped upon all the hillsides because thousands and thousands of people gathered on these hills for the week of the feast. He arrived in Jerusalem on the fourth day of the feast and went to the temple and began teaching and discussing scripture and answering questions from the people who were amazed and astonished at his teaching. Jesus has got a timing for everything. They wanted to see action from their brother. He had things to do that they didn't know about. And he timed it his way, which he does for us. When Jesus stood to speak, the crowds would gather to listen. They asked one another how he could have unfolded the scriptures to them the way he did when he hadn't been formally taught. At this festival, people danced and sang as the water drawing ceremonies and rituals were acted out every morning. Women would get water from the surrounding springs and wells. They'd take them in their pitchers and take them up to the temple, singing with the men and the children from Isaiah 12, verse 13, a good old song that we used to sing. Therefore with joy you shall draw water out of the well of salvation. On the seventh day of the feast, the great day of the feast, as the huge golden water bowl was carried by the people up the temple steps, the enormous crowd stood around watching and cheering, trumpets blowing, and the trumpets sounded out the ending of this ceremony, the consecration ceremony of the sacred water, the high point of the feast. At the top of the temple steps was a special altar with a priest selected by the Sadducees waiting for the big moment to arrive. When the bowl was presented to him, he would raise his hand to indicate that the call was about to be made for people to come drink of the water. Now this is where Jesus surprised everybody. This was the moment when the priest raised his hand that Jesus would have stood at the temple steps in front of the crowd who had eager ears for what he would say. They'd been listening to every word. And we read now the scripture from John chapter 7, verse 37. 
On that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. He was speaking of the Holy Spirit. Jesus saying this at that particular time in front of all the Jewish pilgrims from all over the Middle East and Asia Minor and Greece, that would have hit their ears like a thunderclap. That is really stealing the show, isn't it? I can imagine if the, if the priest had had a microphone and I'm about to say, come and drink of the waters, Jesus would have taken it and said, hey, got a message for you. Division and argument broke out amongst the crowd. Many in the crowd said, this is the prophet. Many in the crowd said, this is the Christ. While others said, could the Christ ever come out of Galilee? The Pharisees and Sadducees were furious, calling on the temple police to stop him and arrest him. But they couldn't take hold of him. The officers came back and said, we couldn't arrest him. And besides, no man has ever spoken like this before. Nicodemus, who had earlier on in Jesus' ministry, came to him in secret that time and questioned him about the kingdom of God. And now he publicly defends Jesus in front of the police, in front of the priests, saying that the law couldn't judge unless people have heard what the man has to say. Jesus alone knew that it was planned for him by the Father to proclaim himself as the rock that gave forth the living water of his presence at this feast. Jesus had turned their historic feast into a proclamation of their and our salvation, our present faith and our future hope, an astounding fulfilment of prophecy. Here is Jesus at the end of his ministry saying that he was the source of that living water just as he was the bread, the true manna that was provided in the wilderness, the manna from heaven, just as he was the rock from where the water flowed. Jesus alone also knew that the time was almost upon him to become the sacrificial lamb of God for humanity at the approaching feast of Passover. And he was the presence that was always with them. The problem for Israel in the wilderness was the constant complaint of is the Lord's presence amongst us or not? And that's something that we're going to face every day of our lives. And we're taking opportunity today again after the sharing of this word to say, yes, Lord, your presence is amongst us. That's an act of faith. As we do that, our soul grows in the capacity to receive him. Our heart believes. It becomes the, the territory, not just the real estate of a promised land, but the territory that God will now occupy. God kept showing up for Israel time after time. It's the same with us. He will keep showing up. And that's why Jesus was so emphatic that he is always with us. But I believe it's good to be prepared to say, well, here I am waiting. He followed them. That rock that was always with them, that rock was Christ, 
following them in the wilderness. Our soul can feel dried up at times, a thirsty soul. We feel a lack of motivation or a sense of a lack of meaning in the things that happen to us. The meaning that God derives out of his being is proclaimed as his love for us. That gives meaning to everything that God did. He so loved the world that he sent his son. And it's the same with us. What gives us meaning is, number one, receiving that love. And it's at these times when we sit and we set aside time in his presence, keeping our mind upon drawing the energy, like drawing the water, we draw the energy and inspiration from him as our strength, our rock of ages, to give meaning to everything that we do. First, we get meaning from knowing that we have been loved and are being loved and will forever be loved. That's why we're here. And then as we let love flow through us, that gives meaning for the things that we do. No matter how tedious they might seem or mundane, they can have meaning, real meaning. I'll finish with the scripture from Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. In the Hebrew, the word everlasting rock is olam sir. S-U-R, which means the rock of ages. That's where that phrase was derived from. So we thank you, Lord, as we sit, we'll receive strength and life from that rock. In Jesus' name, amen.